Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Crossover. Hey, we doing good? Everyone happy? Yeah. So I was just asking, Brent and Caroline's like, hey, it, what, how long has this been going on? And it's like almost five years in... Uh, I got the opportunity to be kind of a part of the beginning of it and, and have spoken here every year. And, and it just, what God's doing through you on this campus and, and through them and their vision, it's pretty special. And I, and I hope you see that. I hope you acknowledge that. And I hope that as, as we take over tonight, kind of an interesting phrase, right? Like we're not taking over anything. We're just getting invited to come to be a part of something that God is doing. And, and Nick's our Norman campus worship pastor. Tori leads with him most every week. We got Ryan who has a normal job, right? He's not in ministry. He, he just does his thing. We've got, we've got uh, Jared and Kogan. You see Kogan every week. They're on our team. Um, it's, it's just a privilege to be here and to get to speak tonight about something that I feel like the Lord really did kind of lay on my heart, honestly, uh, regarding where we're at, and it, it's not political because there's some political stuff happening right now if you're not watching on your phone. Um, there's some political stuff happening. So it's not political at all, but just kind of like where we're at as a culture, I think God honestly is maybe doing something really fresh and new and good. And at least that's, that's kind of where I have to let my mind go, because if I look at 2020, right, if I look at this year, and many of you feel the same way, you're like, this stunk. This is not my favorite year of life, and I've only got 18 to 22 of them in me, so this is not my favorite. And I get that. But... What I want to talk about tonight is this concept that sometimes God chooses in his infinite wisdom, because he's, he's smarter than I am, like he really is, and he's probably smarter than you are, and I know there's some smart people in the room, but he's really, really got it together. And in the midst of circumstances that feel terrible... He's actually doing something for your good. And so here's what I want to talk about. The concept or the idea, whatever you want to call it, of isolation. Literally, literally, if you look it up, isolation is a torture tactic. If you separate people from all human contact for an extended period of time, they will lose their ever-loving minds. And they'll tell you whatever that you want to hear to have relationship again. Why is that? Because God created us to desire community and friendship, to have human interaction, 
You steal that from someone and you're robbing something that was ingrained in their DNA, that was given to them by their creator. And even if you're sitting here tonight going, I don't even know what I believe. Here's the foundation that I'm coming from. God created each and every one of us. If you want to have an intellectual debate about that later, we'll do so over coffee. But I, I just, that's what I believe. God created us, and he created each and every one of us with some innate needs and desires. And one of them is the desire and the need for others. We're living in a season right now where you're not supposed to be within six feet of someone else. How many conversations have you had like this? And you're like, what? Can you take your mask off? No, because I'll give you a virus that'll kill you. (laughs) Now look, this has nothing to do with whether or not you should wear a mask, because I think you should. This was made, supposed to be given to a homeless person, so I stole that from them. That's my fault. (laughs) I've got a whole bag of my office, forgot to deliver them. That's, That's my fault. Don't judge me. It's weird, right? It's not normal. This isn't how college is supposed to be. But if you read the Bible, there are many times where God used isolation to prepare people for something that he was going to call them to. And so that's my premise tonight. That this chaos, this weirdness, this reality that we're living in, it might actually have a purpose for you. And I'm not going to try to guess what the purpose is for you. I'm just going to read a couple stories from the Bible and then let you see if maybe one of them resonates with you. So the first story of isolation, a guy named Moses. Maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. But Moses killed a dude. He was defending his fellow countrymen, probably would have been permissible by law, But he killed someone, he got called out for it, and he ran. He ran as quick as he could to a region called Midian. There's nothing in Midian. That's why he went there. When you're a murderer and you're trying to avoid the cops, you go where there are no people are. Isolation. That's that's where he went. And he lived there for an extended period of time. And while he was there... God came and met him in his isolation. Exodus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. God called to him from within the bush. Okay, so just making sure we have the story here. There's a guy who is fleeing from a murder charge, went to an area where there are no people, and one day while he's out Tending his flock of sheep, a bush catches on fire. That in and of itself is probably rare, but then the bush starts to speak to him. 
that is not possible. So he hears the bush saying, Moses, Moses, how do you know my name, burning bush? When I read the Bible, I like to place myself in the story. So maybe you've heard the story a bunch of times, but would you put yourself there? You're out there hoping no one knows your name because you're a murderer. You're just watching some sheep in the middle of the desert. You see a bush on fire, and the bush calls you by name. What is your response? In my opinion, it's absolute terror because I have lost my mind. I've just had a stroke and I'm going to die soon, right? Like the bush is calling me by name, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am (laughs) to a bush. The dude's lost it. The bush is calling out his name and he goes, I'm here. I'm Moses. Do not come any closer, the bush says. But we now finally find out in verse 5 that it's God speaking. Doesn't necessarily change how I'm going to respond to it. But God says, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. You ever gone to the house of the person that doesn't let you wear their shoes in the house? I got family members that live up north, Minnesota. Anyone, anyone northerners? We got northerners. We got one. Oh, we got a bunch of, like six of them. Why do you not let people wear your shoes in their house? Like, I, I don't understand that. I go to my in-law's house and they're like, take your shoes off at the door. And I'm going, I, fine. Take your shoes off. For the place where you're standing is holy ground. We're about to have a conversation. In your isolation, you're about to meet with God. Verse 10, Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. After a little back and forth, God, through the burning bush, tells Moses, your isolation has had a purpose. I want you now to go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh, the king of kings, in that time, in that land. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. You're the one. For 400 years. 400 years. 400 years. I I, I need you to understand the levity of that. God had heard the pleas of his people who were in captivity, who were slaves in Egypt. For 400 years he'd heard those cries God, come and save us. Come and redeem us. Come and bring us out of Egypt. He'd heard those pleas for 400 years. And now he chooses a guy out in Midian, watching a flock of sheep with no sandals on. And he says, I need you to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the world, and I need you to tell him to let my people go. Moses had all kinds of objections. He said, why would you send me? I'm not very good of speech. I don't, I don't talk so good. He said, you probably ought to send someone that, that speaketh better. Because that's not me. And God goes, okay, well, maybe you don't speak very well. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a staff. 
that you can do some cool magic tricks with. If you throw it on the ground, it'll become a snake. You can pick it back up, and it won't be a snake anymore. That will win you some friends. If you put your hand in, 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 your, in your cloak, in the, your outer garment, if you put it in your cloak and you pull it back out, it'll be leprous, which that has to look awful. Then you put it back in, you pull it back out, it'll be good again. Like, that's David Blaine stuff, man. Oh, and just in case you need it, like later on, you can turn the entire Nile River, the river they worshipped in Egypt, as the life source. You can turn it all to blood if you need to. Because I'm God and they're not. But you're my person. And then skipping to chapter 4, verse 13. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I can't do it. But God was orchestrating all of it. And he said, no, no, I brought you here to prepare you for this task. You were a prince of Egypt. And for 40 years you hid from an indiscretion that may or may not even be your fault. I'm sending you back. They're going to remember who you are. Yeah, they're going to come after you. But you are the one I chose. I chose you. You didn't pick this calling. I picked it for you because I'm God and you're not. And so you're going to go and you are going to be the liberator of my people who have been praying to me for 400 years. Sometimes isolation is a time of empowering If you're taking notes, that's point number one. There's another Old Testament character. His name's Elijah. I'm going to read a bunch of verses here. So this is 1 Kings 19, 9 through 14. Just just track with me. I'm going to go through it really quickly. The word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Has God ever spoken to you and said, What's up? Why are you hiding? What are you running from? Is something wrong? Verse 10, Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for you, Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, your promises. They've torn down your altars, the places of worship. And they put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm one of your prophets. All my friends are dead. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind came and tore through the mountains, came and tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before him. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. He went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Same question. Why are you running? Well, because the mountain just got destroyed and there was a wildfire that I didn't know how to stop and there was a tornado. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned right now about the climatology of this mountain. 
I don't know what to expect. He replied with the same answer. You ever felt God prompting you and you just give him the same generic kind of bull answer? It's the phase. It's just something I'm going through. I'll address it next year. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah. Elijah is the man. If you want to go read something crazy, crazy tonight, go read the book of 1 Kings and read what Elijah did. Then hand it off to Elijah. Very difficult to differentiate, but hand it off to him and he did even more. Elijah pronounced a drought that only he could stop. Mike Morgan would like that ability. Elijah was fed by ravens morning and evening. Elijah ran and lived with a widow for a few months. And the widow had no food. She had just a little jar of oil and some flour. And God sustained them on that, a family of three. In the middle of it, the widow's son died. And Elijah laid on him in his bed, which is very awkward. But he came back to life. I don't know if you've tracked the number of resurrections there were in the Bible. It's less than five. And he's got one of them. Elijah threw down on Mount Carmel with 850 or so other prophets. One versus 850. Those are good odds. Never. He won. At the end of that throwdown, he said it could rain again, and it did. That's the same guy who's hiding in fear because there's someone that wants to kill him. Look. I am six foot tall. I'm overweight, and I'm going to be 40 in a couple days. I've never raised anyone from the dead. I have three wonderful children, a beautiful wife, and a church that's okay. I have never made flour continuously reproduce, I've never made oil do the same. But If I had done any of those things, I would probably be a little bit more confident. Because I am as vanilla as they get. And I still think, like, God does incredible things. And do you know what Elijah needed? The ESPN top 10 player of the century. He needed a time of reminding who God was and who God wanted him to be. 
And sometimes it takes us breaking away. Sometimes it takes isolation for us to learn that. So once again, if you're taking notes, point number two, isolation can be a great time of reminding each of us who God is and who he's called us to be. Two more that will go much quicker. Twelve disciples. Jesus decides in his infinite wisdom to change the world with twelve people. I would have gone with more, but he thought the number made sense. Twelve people that he calls. Now, those twelve disciples, he says multiple times in his ministry. Here's the one I'm going to read you in Mark chapter 6, verse 31. He says, you got to go recharge. So Mark 6.31, then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place so we can get some rest. The reason for the rest, do you hear this? I don't know how many of you want to go into ministry, but here's the deal. Jesus was at the apex of his ministry. Crowds were swarming in on him. Tens of thousands of people and he looks at his 12 interns and he says we're done we got to go rest we got to break away if if we're going to finish this we got to we got to go find solitude isolation can be a time of recharging you've all got a battery It will run out eventually. And in this pandemic where you're supposed to be separate and ministry and life and just general anything is hard, maybe this is your time that God is calling you to go, let's break away. Let's recharge. If you're taking notes, that's number three. And the final one, Jesus himself. Baptized in the Jordan River, comes up out, God speaks. This is my son, whom I love, in him I'm well pleased. Beautiful, beautiful moment. And you think Jesus is just going to, bam, right into ministry, right? I mean, you, you just got baptized. God spoke. A dove descended, whatever that is. And like, it, it is time to go. No, what does Jesus immediately go to? The desert. Why? To be tested. For how long? 40 days, the end of which Satan himself is the proctor of that exam. Do you want all of this? I can give it to you. No. Denounce this and you'll have this. No, I'm good. 40 days of isolation. Why? Because in Matthew 4, verses 1 and 2, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted By the devil, and after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, yet he did not fail. Hey, can I can I tell you guys something tonight? 2020 sucks. Fill in the blank as to why, but it's just it's not my favorite. And the isolation that you felt at the end of last year last semester, the the isolation you may feel now, the the weird social protocols that 
are in place, the, just the reality of what's going on, it very well could be a test. And like any test, you can pass it or fail it. But as Nick and the, the guys come back up, what if this season is not just a test for you? Because I, th- I think it's a test for all of us. I really do. I think anything this trying to our faith and to our reality, I think it's, it has to be a test. But what if, it's, what if it's one of the other things? What if this season is a time of empowering you? Empowering you for ministry, just like God did with Moses. Moses was in Midian for 40 years. What if this is a time of empowering for you and the ministry that God has called you to right now? What what if this is when you're supposed to get that supercharged passion for what God's called you to? What if it's a time of reminding you? Hey, remember, Elijah, what I did through you? Do you remember the stories? Do you remember how it was? I'm no different. I've still got you. Maybe, maybe this is a time to remind you of just how big God is. Or it could be. Because so many things are shut down. So many things are shut down. So, so much is different right now. Maybe it's a time of recharging. It's getting to replenish those batteries because life is hard, ministry's harder. I don't, I don't know. But I know this. If you will allow God to do so, you will come out of this season stronger. If you will allow God to do so, you will come out of this season stronger. Here's why I know it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and didn't sin. He went through his desert. He went through his isolation. He went through his temptation. He went through all of it and came out on the other side a-okay. My best advice for you, been doing college ministry for 20 years now. You want to know my best advice? Here here you go. Ready? Can't write a book about this because it won't sell. Trust him. Trust Jesus. When you're weak, when you're scared, when you're alone, when you're wandering, when you're wondering what in the world, trust him. I expected something better from Summit Church Takeover Night. Is that the best you've got? Yeah, it is. That's the best I've got. (laughs) It doesn't get any better. I've got twice the years on all of you, and it doesn't get any better than that. Trust him. Trust him.
trust him. Jesus, we trust you. And tonight, we thank you, even for this season, if the isolation that you've placed us in brings us closer to you. We give you all the honor and all the glory. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Every week at Summit, I just simply say, let's stand and respond to him. And tonight, I encourage you to do the same thing. Looks like there's going to be some people up here that would love to talk to you, pray with you. But let's stand and respond to him.